Hey, this is Annie. And this is Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I'll Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Before we get into our topic today, which is an interview we're very excited about. Yes, I'm so excited. We did just want to say this episode may not be suitable for younger listeners. Um, So I would recommend listening to it. Um, Listeners, you may remember a couple of months ago, uh, we did a classic episode with an updated intro about Osei. And I also guested on the podcast Tech Stuff to talk about that. And we thought that uh, we would we would get someone who knew a little bit better. Someone who actually knows a lot about it. Yes. So we have with us Laura Haddock, founder and CEO of Laura DiCarlo. Hey, Laura, thank you so much for joining us. Hi. Uh, it's really awesome to be here. Yeah, we're so glad to have you. Um, can you tell us, uh, let's start with some basics, right. some basics first about yourself and then about Osei, the product mm-hmm. that we're discussing today. <laughs> um, okay. So like I said, my name is Laura Haddock. Um, I'm the founder and CEO at Laura DiCarlo. Um, just for those of you that don't know, DiCarlo is actually a family name. So that's, uh, why it gets a little confusing. <laughs> um, and my background is actually in healthcare. I spent over a decade in healthcare. I was uh, I went into the Navy as a nurse. Um, I ended up uh, coming out on an honorable discharge to take care of my mother, but I ended up back in uh, uh, studying pre-med in Portland and <clears throat> kind of had an epiphany when I had an orgasm <laughs> and uh, literally found those. myself laying on the floor, flopped off the side of the bed staring at the ceiling like a total idiot, just going, how do I do that again? That's amazing. <laughs> I want to clap for that. Yay! <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so I remember laying there just thinking, like, that was amazing. And then I looked at, you know, this partner that had helped me get there, and I was just like, oh, okay, yeah. How do I do that again by myself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> So um, what I what I ended up doing was actually I have an obsession with anatomy and physiology, you know, being in the career on the career track that I was at the time, um, and I started really diving into the physiology of orgasm, of erogenous physiology, and how particularly how female parts work. And I wanted to find out like how could I do this again? Um, and I it, it came to be that there's no product on the market that actually delivers what I was after and that and that was a blended orgasm. And a blended orgasm is when you stimulate both the clitoris or the little the, the glands clitoris actually, the part that you that you do see that we're familiar with, the little man in the boat. Um, <laughs> and then the G spot. Um, but what most people don't know is that that's all a part of the same erogenous physiology. The the clitoris, the glands clitoris, and then there's actually wings and bulbs and all sorts of really neat physiology that that uh, branches out beneath the external anatomy um, of the vulva, just underneath the uh, labia minora and the labia majora. And then there's a coalescence of nerves that uh, bundles right on the anterior wall of the vaginal canal. So the front side of the inside of your, of the vaginal canal. So what we're doing, what i when you, you get this blended orgasm is you're stimulating literally the whole clitoris from the outside all the way to the inside. And it's not easy to do. It's, um, it's basically the only way you can do it right now is if you have two really specific toys um, and some really acute knowledge about your own physiology and how to get there, or you have a really talented partner, a really talented partner. That and sounds like neither, a lot which, of work. That sounds like a Right, and neither of those are easy to come by. (laughs) Right. I was like, this is ridiculous. There should be something that that works, like, for me and not just for me. So I started thinking, like, how do I create something that that does this and and what are the problems that I want to solve? And there were three big problems that I saw immediately. Um, The first was I I had toys. I have a treasure trove of toys, right? And. And there's a bunch of stuff in my little treasure chest that don't that it that doesn't fit me. So I wanted to create something that fits a multitude of people. And the only way you can do that is if you collect data. I, I looked for the data. I looked for sizes. I looked for all of this 
this data around erogenous zones, and it doesn't exist. Um, because we don't talk about female sexuality. We don't talk about female pleasure because we, we prefer to demonize it. Right. Um, so, and I, I remember looking through old anatomy physiology books when I was in school and just going, that's weird. Like, they talk about, like, how a man can, you know, get hard. They talk about, you know, the, the blood flow. They talk about the innervation. They talk about, um, you know, how they, how they orgasm. And then when you flip the page and you look at the female side, they talk about how we make babies and... Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what bad things can happen to your uterus, and I'm just like, this is not cool. Right. So, so I, I wanted something that could fit both, like anybody. So I actually had to go ask people, "Where's your clitoris? How big is your clitoris? Where's your G spot in relation to your vaginal canal?" Like all of these really kind of hilariously awkward questions that when you ask somebody, they just kind of look at you a little cross-eyed, and you go, "This is why." And then when you explain to them that I'm you know, I want to see if there's a, like a, a trend in this data so I can design something. Then they get really excited. Yeah. And people just are, are like, here, how do I do that? How right. do I measure this for you? Right. So you wait, when you're done with this, can I test it? Can yeah. I have one? And they're like, <laughs> I'm not going like, well, to lie. I'm, Andy I'm and I like, have been discussing, <laughs> like, how do we get one of these now? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was like, at that point, I'm like, well, I'm just like, I'm just trying to dig up data right now. But, you know, and this was about... I, two and a half years ago, but I ended up with over 200 data points. Um, and I started seeing a trend in that data. The other two things that I wanted to address, the other two problems I wanted to address were, um, I wanted to eliminate the use of vibration in this product because I wanted to do that in favor of biomimicry or, um, what's more commonly known as the, the mimicry of human motion. So I wanted it to feel and, wanted somebody to have the experience of being with a human partner and sort of feel like a human partner. And the last thing I wanted absolutely was for it to be completely hands-free. And the reason for that is because as, as females or people with vaginas, we have the tendency to really be in a very emotional, very psychological state. Um, if we're going to orgasm, you have to really be able to concentrate almost like a point of like, like being able to meditate or be really into like what you're doing. And I find that if you want to reach that state, you, you can't have anything in your hands. Like you have to like totally like let go of your whole body. And let's like, to be honest, like having something hands-free is just way more fun anyway. <laughs> yes. So, so um, I collected all this data and I started creating this design in my head and um, I ended up sitting across the table um, after getting a couple of recommendations uh, with a professor of mechanical engineering um, at Oregon State University. And Oregon State University happens to be the top four robotics school uh, graduate program in the country. And uh, I, did, I didn't tell him like what we were going to talk about before I got there. I just showed up and I was like, hey, okay, so <laughs> vagina. And he was like, okay. Amazing. And, <laughs> right. And you're like, so orgasm and I want to make an orgasm thing. And he's like, um, uh, and I was like, but here's how I want to do it. And I, I literally split across a document that had over 52 functional engineering specs in order to engineer this product. And he actually lit up. Um, his name is Dr. John Parmigiani, and he completely lit up. And he's like, oh, engineering things. I can do this. This is cool. <laughs> this is a neat problem. We should solve this problem. And I was like, you're damn right we should. Yeah. So we actually, um, uh, I had just uh, founded the company. I founded the company in October 2017. So um, coming up on two years now, I guess. And uh, we started an industry-funded research project with uh, Oregon State. Um, that we still have going, which is awesome and hilarious. So we ended up with a whole bunch of students, mechanical engineering students in, that specialize in robotics and, uh, and electrical engineering students and other PhDs that were like, wait, what are you doing? I want to sit in on this meeting. <laughs> and uh, uh, we worked on that for about six months until we had proof of concept. And then we started working towards that prototype. And at that point, I started hiring some of these students. Um, the first was actually Dr. Ada Rhodes Short, who um, 
was finishing her PhD at the time and came on with me as soon as she finished her dissertation, she came on full time and, um, she specializes and is an expert in AI and robotics. And, um, uh, today we have, we're coming up probably in August, we'll have, uh, 19 folks on the payroll, um, as of August. And our, uh, our director of engineering is, um, her name is Kim Porter, and she's been a veteran in mechanical engineering for nearly 30 years now. And she's done, she's worked with startups, she's brought products um, all the way to fruition and, and on to uh, into the market. And uh, that's what she's helping us do right now. And uh, on our sales and marketing team, I've got some of like the most amazing folks in the business. Um, one was Sarah. Sarah Brown, who we actually brought over from Lalo, a competitor, um, early on. And uh, we always joke that I headhunted her and uh, pretty much gave her no no, no option, no other choice. I was like, no, you're coming on. You're, whatever you need, just please come and work with us. So um, our team is definitely, we're growing really fast, but what has really helped us to grow this fast is we have a very stringent set of core values that that really dictates and guides our culture. And we have a very inclusive culture, but our values are respect, empowerment, and integrity. And for us, that creates a very inclusive culture. And we only hire folks that are a very good skill and psychological and personality fit um, that get the message, that get the mission. And our mission is rooted in gender equity. Um, we're, we're not just here to make sex toys. We're here to, to change the game. We're here to change the face of business and change the face of technology and see that half that face is, um, women and people of, and, and minority folks and people of color and actually see the whole playing field get leveled. And, uh, we're excited to be here. So we've actually taken that social mission and put it on equal footing with profitability and it's it's doing well so far. But right now we've got a say will be launched this fall, uh, and we're going like gangbusters, like <laughs> absolutely screaming with our hair on fire just right. about every day. But um, everybody shows up and everybody's happy to be here. That's for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, you guys raised about it says two million. Was it three million? I'm trying to keep track because we've uh, <laughs> we, <laughs> to date it's about three point two million. Wow. Um, we yeah we just we close we just closed um, actually it's not technically but we uh, we just followed up with another two million uh, tranche of funding wow. um, that should get us all the way through launch and uh, we are looking at doing a presale this summer um, the date is TBA but uh, when we do we're hoping that that will be able to inject some more funds into marketing because. Our investors and my team were very intent on hitting the market very hard, right? And not just making a splash, but creating a f-ing tsunami. Right. Sorry, mm-hmm. I said it upwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I do it all the time. You bleep that out. <laughs> I do it all the time. But yeah, that's phenomenal. Also, just the the sheer like creativity behind this is enthralling. Oh, As we're sitting here, like I'm reading through all the stuff, and you're telling me all the people that are involved is incredible, and how many women yeah. are coming together, to be like, yeah. Let's talk about the fact yeah. that we want pleasure too, which I yeah. adore. Well, and it's, it's not just women. It's I mean, a, a good portion of our team are are male. Mm-hmm. We have, um, you know, we have a, a transgender on on stuff. We have a couple queer folks on stuff. Um, like people of all different walks of life. Everybody, like from from a gender standpoint, we we kind of. Um, uh, span the gamut. We like from a, a personality standpoint, like everyone from like very extroverted to very introverted. Um, so we're really focused on diversifying our thought process and how we approach problems. And one thing I always tell um, all of our our team is like, you know, if you don't agree with me, say something. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't understand or you don't think that the way that the direction that we're taking makes sense. Say something, challenge me, right. argue with me, like bring, bring your thoughtful ideas to the table and, and challenge me because, um, that's the only way that we're going to continually innovate and create new products that speak to everyone. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that as a company, we're going to absolutely blow this thing out of the water. And, um, 
and it's uh, it's hard because especially when you have um, females on the team who are used to getting shut down or marginalized um, and not being able to have as much of a voice at the table, it, you have to encourage that thought process. You have to encourage them to to challenge you almost. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, it's part of it is is a little bit um, it's a little saddening when I think about it the fact that, you know, we, I, we, have, we have to talk about it on a daily basis, but I also understand that it's really empowering knowing that we are creating that kind of empowerment with right. folks where they, where they start to understand, I do have a voice and what I say does matter. And my experience is amazing. Right. And in that, like I said, it spans the gamut across multiple different threads of, di- threads of diversity, whether it's, um, ethnicity or even religion or uh, gender, sex preference, uh, personality type, um, bringing all of these different voices to the table and allowing them to have a voice is what is allowing us to innovate so quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love that. I do. <laughs> I just had it a moment of like <laughs> taking it all in. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like you were saying earlier, you're, you're here to to change the game, and we all know that sometimes certain folks don't like change. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, could, in fact, we get a lot of regression with those certain folks. It, yes, you know, case those, in point, in the last month or so. So exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. Um. So I, I, we touched on it in our the update we did around this, but could you talk about? Um, the whole kerfuffle of CS, and I know there's an update right. with it recently. Oh, yeah. Yeah, please. Yeah, we got, um, so uh, for those of, and, and, and you guys, you covered uh, CES or covered all of that that debacle. Um, so what, what happened in the aftermath, so CES originally took away an award that they had given us a month later. And we fought them really hard and pointed out everything that was very biased about what they were doing. And it was very arbitrary and capricious, really. Um, there was no basis for, for their reasoning. And we pointed that out, but they stood their ground and, and they didn't give us our award back. So we decided to, uh, you know, create a press release uh, that got picked up uh, quite a bit, quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. a little bit more than I think I was prepared for. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do remember sitting in uh, what our publicist has now dubbed the PR war room um, when we did <laughs> probably close to 15 back-to-back interviews uh, in an office in Las Vegas where at the end of the day, she just like slammed her hands on the table and she was like, holy crap. <laughs> that was probably, I think, maybe the second most insane PR war room I've ever experienced. And I remember at some point during the day just out here, Rachel, can I please just go to the bathroom? No, <laughs> not yet. We don't have time. And I was like, okay. You so, had to fire um, through. <laughs> yeah, it just, it picked up. And the reason it picked up is because society's tired of the de- demonization of, of female sexuality. People are tired of, of you know, and, and right now we're seeing such a huge outcry about, you know, the removal of, female bodily autonomy mm-hmm. with um, these abortion laws. And um, and I don't think things are going to go the way that, the way that you know, some of these lawmakers think they are because people are, are tired and they, they're ready and willing to fight. So when we did that drop, people were so ready to fight and, and, and get behind us and raise awareness and lift that voice up. And, make, and we had... I think over 200,000 social shares. Um, we like the amount of coverage that we got um, was absolutely mind blowing. I, I, I ended up writing an op-ed for the Washington post. We were in the New York times. I ended up getting invited to speak at the Forbes women conference yeah. in Israel. And, um, and it's just been, I, I often say it's like sitting on a rocket ship and drinking from a fire hose and then trying to make a peanut butter and banana sandwich at the same time. It's great. <laughs> it's fun. Um, so what most people didn't know, though, is that we were still fighting in, um, you know, in the eve. And we actually, I, I got an email one day from um, 
from Gary Shapiro, who is the CEO of the Consumer Technology Association, the CTA, that governs the CES show, the Consumer Electronics Show. And it was just a request to, to talk. So we put together a meeting where we could sit down with um, the CTA and my team and uh, via conference call. And the first thing, uh, Gary got on the phone, and the first thing he said was, I owe you all a very big apology. Wow. And, uh, and I, was, I was definitely taken aback, but when we realized, and, and I, was, I was very thankful that such a large association was willing to sit down with the little guy, with the startups, and, and admit, you know, an oversight, admit um, to maybe to bias, maybe to you know, that they had truly made a mistake, not in taking, not in, in giving us the award in the first place, but made the mistake in taking it away. And, um, you know, the one thing that when I realized that they were, they, they were going to give the award back was we, we said, we, we really aren't comfortable taking this back unless we have the ability to sit down with you at the same table and talk about policy change and talk about more inclusive language and contribute to that more inclusive language. So yes, we got the award back, but I think the real win is the fact that we're sitting down with them right now and we're talking about how to make a safer space for females at CES, how to make safer space for all genders at CES in 2020 and beyond. So we're talking about those policies. We're talking about um, language and inclusivity within language. And um, I don't want to get 100% on board yet because it's not finished. So that remains to be seen when they publish those rules and those policies. And I really want to see how CES 2020, um, you know, pans out. But this is what we were talking about. We want to see change. And we've got our sights set on some some very big issues. Um, when you know, when we're done here. And uh, I think that's actually what really drives not just me, but just about everybody that works at Laura Carlo is the fact that we feel like we have purpose. It's not just about making amazing technology and, and creating tech that can't, isn't just using sex toys. It's used, um, you can use this tech and we can, we can commercialize tech that's never been utilized before. And we're super excited about that, but to also have a mission that stands for gender equality and equity, I should say, um, that's what really gets us fired up. Because it's not just about women being able to use or people with vaginas being able to use sex toys. It's about the acceptance. It's about removing the stigma around sex. And my true belief is that when we can, you know, you, you, you set up a disclaimer when we started this podcast that was, you know, you know just so you know, Kids, if you're listening, um, you know, you might want to might want to like warn your children and not let your kids listen to this. And the fact is, until we can talk to our kids about sexuality and about pleasure and about accepting um, their sexuality, their preference, their gender, you don't have to make it explicitly sexual in order for a kid to understand that the way they feel is okay and the way they're made is perfectly acceptable. And when we start teaching our children about the fact that gender is fluid, the way that we approach gender is so binary. And it's, it's, we're getting to this point where we're realizing, you know, me as, as an individual, I'm not 100% female. I've got some seriously male traits or masculine traits that I should say. Um, you know, and I know, I know male friends of mine, you know, even guys that work in this company that they have quite a few feminine traits. The fact is gender is not fluid. We have all sorts of different masculine and feminine traits and that spans the gamut. And when we can start telling our children that that's okay, that's when we start to eliminate biases and we start creating gender equity for the next generation. And then feminism is no longer needed. That. It's powerful, which is why we didn't interrupt at all. <laughs> no. We're both sitting here nodding our heads at each other like, yeah. yep, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> we have a little bit more for you listeners, but first we're going to pause for a quick break for a word from our sponsor.
And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So as we were talking, as you were talking about with the new laws that are happening, um, especially yeah. about the uh, female body, what would be your advice for, because obviously you've thought about this, you've progressed um, trying to break barriers within the engineering field, technological field, all of that. Um, what would you say to women who are trying to do ch- make change but feel like they really can't because they're in their individual home or something or in a state like we're in state the south which you know has one right. of the more rigid um well not just all the south but in georgia has a very rigid policy that um was signed in what would you say to those people like these are the ways that you look and see in trying to find change instead of just doing the minimal does that make sense because well, as you said yeah, your, totally. your toy it's it a toy your um yeah Sex. Is it a sex toy? Is that what it's I call it? It's a piece you... of technological sexual satisfaction. There we there go. We go. <laughs> there we go. Because I'm like, this doesn't sound right. This is too big no. for that type of title. We even we, talked about we, that. We yeah. It, yeah. We we call it sex tech. Oh, um, yes. oh yes. yeah. Yeah. I will now take that yeah. sex tech. Um, but beyond that, you started seeing that you could break some grounds and break some um, biases, as well as um, be people who are forced to activism in all the different yeah. ways that's not just sex tech you know um focused <laughs> i don't know you how to made say a it. very like, funny ooh, gesture when ooh, you said I that did. i made a weird gesture because i'm trying to figure out how to say it <laughs> apologies um so i i think first first and foremost like the the thing that i would say is that anybody listening like you really you got to do your homework you need to educate yourself um about what's actually going on with the laws and it and i i remember like you know even even a few years ago even when i was even when i was a midshipman when i was in the navy um like i just i didn't really pay a lot of attention to the world around me and i i would implore people to to do a little bit of homework i mean Get on, get on your phone and Google it. The fact is, the lawmakers that are creating these anti-abortion bills don't know a thing about not even just female physiology, but physiology. Period. These men are making our laws that take away our bodily autonomy, not just ours. If if this goes up and actually ends up changing the language at Roe v. Wade. This doesn't just affect females. This affects everyone's bodily autonomy. And what bodily autonomy is, is let's say you go to the hospital and your brother needs a, needs a blood transfusion and you have the same type blood. Let's say you hate your brother and you don't want to get him your blood. If we change the language at Roe v. Wade, you have to give, they can take your blood forcibly. That's what we're talking about. Those are the kind of changes that we're talking about. We're not just talking about taking away a woman's right to make choices about her own physical body, which I'm sorry is your property and no one else's. People need to understand that the people that are making these laws don't know the first thing about human physiology. They're they're making insinuations about female bodies that don't make a damn bit of sense. Um, there was a, uh, a, a Texas representative um that seemed to think that abortion providers actually cut into women's bodies like he actually thought that an abortion was a cesarean section which is absolutely asinine (laughs) um you know there was another one who uh uh, another guy another tech lawmaker who said that getting a rape kit exam was they could they could just go in there and get a woman cleaned out. I think right, she yeah. they, he literally said he clean did. a woman out to yes. end the pregnancy. Yes. And um and and I am sure you guys know the infamous one of, of the the Missouri congressman that said that um if a legi- if it's really a legitimate rape that the female body ha- has ways of shutting it down. Right. Yeah. Give me a freaking break. <laughs> this is absolutely ridiculous. These men are making our laws about yeah. our body. Right. And I'm sorry, I don't care if you're if you're all the way if you're completely liberal or or com, uh, completely conservative. The fact is when you look at the like you look at a man making a law about your body, no matter what your stance is, whether you're religious or whether you are a like 100% completely conservative, when you look at the fact that these men are the ones making the laws about your body and you realize, you can't, no. Amen. That's the problem. <laughs> so it, so then, then it comes to 
start doing the start doing the, the the homework about like how can you make change. There are a lot of petitions going around right now. There are a lot of ways to um, if, if like if you have the funding available, you have the funds available, donate. Donate to the Yellow Fund. Donate to these. There are um, there are lists that are trying to help women get uh, elected to Congress or into into all sorts of um, uh, government seats. But there are all sorts of ways for you to get involved and even just add your name to a list. Like share something. Share like a way for somebody to get like spread around the awareness that we need funding for this. The only way we make like make an impact is if you vote with your dollars and you have to actually get out and freaking vote. Right. Please get out and vote. Right. Because the last thing that I want to see is, you know, people think, oh, well, you know, Trump's not going to get reelected because he's a maniac. I'm sorry. The people that start thinking that are the people that don't go and vote because they don't think that that's a possibility. I need you to go vote. Right. You need to go vote. You need to vote for our bodily autonomy, right. period, and his story. And it's, it's, it's really frustrating because I know that there are a lot of people that I've spoken to that are like, oh, yeah, I just never voted. Like, right. I didn't think it, I didn't actually think it would win. I heard and, that so many times. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, okay, well, if you don't think he, he would win, or if you, if you don't think that the, the person you think is a terrible idea for office is going to win, then go vote anyway. Right. So, um, it's, and, and, and as far as being like my, my personal opinion, um, is in the middle. Um, my personal opinion, it absolutely blows me away that you can call these people pro-lifers because if we're going to let a 10-year-old child die in custody, that's not pro-life. Right. If we're going to beat transge- transgender people until they literally die, right. that's not pro-life. If we're going to murder countless people of color that's not pro-life and forced pregnancy is not pro-life it is the removal of bodily autonomy it is Mm anti-choice so i got so insanely like riled up about it but like (laughs) we're everybody here is so right it's so on edge about it honestly i don't think you could get away with not feeling some type of emotion with what's happening, whether it's one side or the other, because it is a really yeah. heated issue, and it is about um, your personal rights when it comes down to it. Right. And so you've got to be angry because it affects you. It affects you, again everyone, as you said. Yeah, and I love yeah. that perspective. Yeah, and it's um, and I don't think people realize that. Like we have, um, I've spoken to uh, actually, we have. We have a general counsel available that I can talk to about just about anything all the time that's uh, a part of an accelerator that I'm uh, involved with. And, you know, even I didn't realize, like, the kind of effects that this change of language could have on Roe v. Wade. Like, the fact is, like, they, they've changed this language. It changes everyone's rights, not just female's ability to get an abortion. It's, it's so, it goes so much deeper than that. And uh, it's not pretty. I guarantee you, if, if people truly understood the the depth, the weight of this issue, and how their male rights will be taken away as well, um, people would probably look at this a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Um, and that kind of um, segues are always fun for. for topics like this right. <laughs> but that kind of relates back right. to something um that i wanted to ask which is um why is talking about something like Oze having open open conversations about it and female pleasure as opposed to like male pleasure which is just understood yeah. right to be a right but oh, female yeah. pleasure for so yeah. long has been no that's taboo we right. don't talk about it um, Again, as we saw on Twitter, I, I made mention that men literally tweet back at women saying, you know it's not true women like sex. You know women don't have work. Like, l- talking about oh the fact that God, it's right. pub- like, it, like, it just can't happen, and it blows my mind. Like, it's 2019. Yeah. How do you, how do you not understand right. what's happening? Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, well, and like I said, I like talked about it a little bit earlier. It's about, it's about education. It's about understanding that that female pleasure is is okay, it's accessible. 
and um, and the way that we have continuously demonized female sexuality for so long is is simply unacceptable. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard of the um, Madonna Four Complex, but that's basically the inability for um, like people to stay in a committed, loving relationship because we have this obsession with uh we see women as, as either saintly madonnas or or total prostitutes and um you know we view women as and we teach women that they are supposed to be um you know completely completely proper never have sex never think about sex never do anything sexual be um completely chaste and uh but when you get married you're supposed to be a total whore in the bed and you're supposed to know exactly what you're doing. Right. And, but they don't even, but we don't even get the, the opportunity to even talk about it, let alone experience our own bodies or, or explore our own bodies. So, um, personally, I, let's be honest, every single person listening to this podcast touched themselves before they were 18. Um, and there's nothing wrong with young people exploring their own bodies on their own terms. But we we talk to kids, we talk to people like that is like there's something terribly wrong with trying to understand your own body or understand your own pleasure. And when we do that, we demonize sexuality, we demonize pleasure, we make people think it's not okay, um, particularly for females, uh, to to understand their own bodies, to love their own bodies. And when we do that, we create a very a very binary um, chasm between men and women where women are not allowed and men are. And that sexual, like that, that approach to sexuality doesn't just stop at sexuality. It is completely systemic throughout the way that we approach gender. And that, that uh, affects the way that we approach women in the boardroom. That affects the way that we approach women on the train, the way we approach women in the household, the way we approach women with health care and the way that we, you know, the way that doctors speak to them. And so, yeah, it starts with sex. It starts with understanding that your body is perfect the way it is. And the way you identify with your body and your sexuality, your gender, your preference is perfectly normal. And there's nothing wrong with it. And you should explore it. So that's a big part of our mission is to really push for people to understand that it's okay to explore that sexuality because that is liberating. It's empowering. Understanding that you have complete control over your own pleasure, that's empowering because that ends up trickling down to the way that you act, the way you walk around in the boardroom, the way you walk in the grocery store, the way you talk to your doctor, the way that you talk to your husband or, you know, even in the way you make dinner. So, and, and it's not just for men and women. It's for people that, that might not identify as, as either. It's about understanding how you identify and your pleasure. And no, one, no one's the same. And accepting that we don't get, make, get to make decisions about somebody else's personal preference or identity um, and that the only control you have is over your own preference and identity that's when we can actually start to understand each other a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just sitting here with you. Oh, mm-hmm. Nodding heads. We're just nodding heads, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So what we're doing, but what we're doing with OSE is why this is really significant is this product literally helps you to learn. It teaches you, it helps you, helps to educate you about your own body because what happens is you actually put this, Inside, it actually conforms to the interior anatomy so that it fits and so then it stays put. So it, and all of the functions, the, the G-spot stimulation, the clitoral stimulation, the, the labial stimulation, um, all of these are independent of one another. So they are completely customizable. So what this allows you to do is it allows you to learn more about your own body and about your own pleasure and how you get there. So when you can start to do that and learn more about your own pleasure, then you can take that knowledge 
and you can tell your partner, this is exactly what I like. It's amazing. And you can now help me get there. So what that does is it actually brings people closer together. It allows people to understand one another better. So when I realized, you know, oh, crap, I'm going to be the, the CEO of a sex toy company. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> um, it was like, oh, this is, but it, it was it was a little unnerving because, um, you know, you, you kind of have to uh, reserve yourself to, you know, understanding this is the rest of my life now. Um, I'm forever going to be known as the sex toy CEO, probably. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, but when I started to understand the, the ability to teach, the ability for education, the ability for, um, for gender equity within the space because of this education and being able to help couples and people understand each other better um, and hopefully erase those sexual stigmas, that's when I got really excited. And I was like, yes, I am so signed on now. So it's, and I think that's, um, that's actually, we've, we've run into that issue a couple of times with, um, with when we hire employees, we find the most perfect fit people that have like the perfect skills. And I have, God, I love my team so much. They're so amazing. I'd like, I could get like cheered up about it. I love them. They're absolutely incredible. Um, when I, like a couple of times when people have come on they're you know, they're a little bit apprehensive about the fact that, you know, it's. It's sex tech. It's technically the adult industry. Then we sit there and we talk about how this particular product can change um, how we view sex and how we don't want to be a part of this, the adult industry, how we want to break that mold. We want to be mainstream. We want to teach people about pleasure, about sex, without having this stigma wrapped around it, and about what we want to do in bigger spaces where gender equity is involved. And we talk about the, the, the values as a company, about respect, empowerment, and integrity, and about how that drives every decision that we make, including the one to release the press release about CES, including the one that drove us to say, we don't, want that as, we don't really want the award back unless we can actually make policy changes. Those are scary decisions to make. But when we know that, that, drives, that um, those values drive your decisions, um, those really amazing values drive your decisions, then you can never make the wrong choice. And so when we've had that talk with new employees coming on, um, as soon as we, we talk about that, it's pretty much hard to not get them to sign on the dotted line. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing and fun. And, but like I said, it's uh, kind of positioning yourself and, and trying to know like how, how deep do you go, how how much do you envelop yourself in controversial issues like abortion, like being like, but I mean, those are as a business, extremely touchy issues to get involved in. Every single time we've had the chance to make a decision about whether or not we do get involved in something like that. It's, it's always been, yes, we do because that's what we believe in. And it's always been the right choice. And uh, I think the fact that, and it's not just the fact that people respond to it um, positively because they believe in the same choices. Um, it's that we truly believe it's the right choice. And I think that um, even our investors believe that it's the right choice. They see, the, they see the, the positivity and the profitability in being a, an ethical company that has beliefs that are rooted in true equity. In, in seeing, um, you know, men and women and, and minorities and and uh, and people with handicaps, everybody be able to sit at the same table and make decisions about products that change our lives and make decisions about policies that change our lives. They see they see the good in that. They see um, that that's the right thing to do. So it's like I said, it's been a wild ride, but we're not done yet. <laughs> No, not at all. Um, we have a little bit more to discuss, but first we're going to pause for one more quick break for work from our sponsors. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And I feel like every week 
we get an email from a listener about um um bro gra- bro gamer uh like oh, yeah. yeah brotopia things like that and it sounds like you and every everyone on your team are really spearheading like a space a more, a more inclusive space um oh yeah so could you talk a little bit about um ways that people can do that what you think is going on with inclusive inclusivity and diversity because i do think that we're like at a point of i'm hoping we're at a point where we're at least talking about it. Um, oh, and yeah, and any advice for people out there? Um, I think we definitely are at a space where I think it's actually popular to talk about it. It's just the the issue is, does do people truly understand how to pursue creating an inclusive and diverse space, or do they just want to talk about it? Right. So part of what we're very committed to doing is in, in part of a... Uh, uh, like the definition of one of our values is is um, is about being biased towards action. So it's uh, it's making sure that we're not just talking about things. Um, uh, so part of part of the definition of integrity is that you know we're always truthful. We're truthful with ourselves. We're truthful with um, with our community, and uh, we hold ourselves accountable. But we always uh, move with a bias towards action. So. Like I said, we can talk about creating these spaces, but if you're not doing anything, you're not doing anything. So um, truly understanding how to do that is is creating framework. Um, you have to create a framework. You have to create those values. You have to understand what it's like to be in somebody's shoes who is in a minority space. And you may not be able to truly understand what it's like being in their shoes, but what you can do is, is create the safest space possible for those individuals because somebody that doesn't feel safe one isn't going to sign on to your company but two they're never going to thrive if you it's i mean then we're just talking about maslow's hierarchy of needs you don't feel safe you don't have a roof over your head you don't have food in your stomach you can never thrive so what we're trying to do is create a space where um it's safe for people to talk about their opinions, about their thoughts, about their values, about their culture, um, about like how they view religion or what their religion is, and and truly be open-minded and never pass judgment on anyone, um, but always talk about ideas and talk about values. And we approach ideas and we might attack ideas, but we never attack the individual. We, we might say, hey, I'm really curious about this idea or how, how, this, how this happens or, you know, yada, yada. But um, you never attack the individual. And also creating a safe space, too, is, is also understanding that sometimes people don't want to talk about their culture. They will, they will bring that to you. Sometimes people don't want to talk about the fact that they're, th- they're thinking about having a kid because it makes them feel unsafe. Sometimes people don't want to talk about how they, how they do their hair because it makes them feel uh, ostracized. So understanding that if, like, putting yourself in, your, in their shoes um, and understanding the things that might make them feel unsafe, when you, even when you just want to have a casual conversation, when people want to have a casual conversation about something that makes them feel comfortable, that could actually make somebody else feel very uncomfortable. And to me, that's selfish. When you just approach somebody and you say, hey, so who braids your hair? Um, maybe they don't want to talk about who braids their hair. Maybe you should let them talk about it when they're comfortable talking about it. Um, maybe you shouldn't be asking females, so how many kids are you planning on having? Maybe I'm not planning on having any. Maybe I was seven. Who, who says it's your business? Who says that that's going to impact the way I work? Um, so it's to us, it's really about just creating a safe space where people feel like they can live their best lives and they can have their own opinions and thoughts and viewpoints without ever feeling like they might be personally attacked for those thoughts and viewpoints. Um, because to be very honest, part of the reason I'm hiring those people is because I want those thoughts and viewpoints. I want these these um, these ideas that aren't in alignment with my own, so that I can think about um, so I can think about how we can change things for the better. Because if we keep innovating inside of a tunnel, we're not going to go anywhere. 
So, um, I mean, I don't know if you've heard the term, I think it's homophily. It's the, it's a tendency for, for people to only hire people that, um, or, or, or associate with people that look like them and mm-hmm. talk like them and sound like them and went to the same schools and, you know, the same color skin, the same type of hair. Like, and I've seen people do that. They hire in a funnel and you never get anywhere because everybody has the same damn line of thought. And so understanding that, yes, it's not just about, it's not just about diversity. It's not just about creating equity and creating inclusive spaces. It's about understanding the impact of having that diverse space and having a safe space for people to truly innovate on their own and be able to feel like they can have their ideas and their thoughts and not feel attacked. Um, so I, I guess I'm going to come full circle. People talk about diversity. They talk about inclusivity. And a lot of the time, I feel like people are talking out of their ass. Preach, sister. Preach. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. It's true. It's I love true. it. <laughs> Did you ever imagine you would be here out of curiosity? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what? Actually, um, not here. No, I, I always wanted to do, I, I was one of those people that, I went to school. I got a full ride scholarship as a nursing, as a as a Navy nurse, and I had to drop out halfway through. Um, so I'm one of those kids that I couldn't even fin- I didn't finish school, and it was partially because I was like, "Is this really what I want to do? Right. Maybe this is what I want to do." I never quite knew what I wanted to do. All I knew is that I wanted to lead, and that I had some some opinions that people seem to really garner to, and and you know people tended to want to follow me and and I at, at some point I realized I wanted to be in a position of leadership and I literally one day I was like I think I just want to be a CEO I mean they do all of the things they're never bored that's obvious because they're totally overworked so that sounds like a great idea <laughs> and um I, I ended up doing I ended up as an executive assistant for a few months for um a different company uh, and, and I realized, yeah, I bet I could do this better. And probably about six months after that, I founded Lorde Carlo. And, um, it was, I, I feel like I was the kid that never knew what I wanted to do. And I think at the same time, I always knew what I wanted to do. I just couldn't actually define it. Who, who goes to school or who grows up in, in, in elementary school or even in high school and goes, I'm going to be a CEO something or other at some point in my life. You don't. Right. But I do know that I wanted to leave. And I know that the reason that I I went into the Navy is because I wanted to leave. I wanted to become an officer. And that wasn't uh that wasn't in uh, in the cards for me. But uh I knew that I still wanted that and I kept driving towards it. And um like I said, nobody nobody ever just goes, Oh, I think I'm gonna be the CEO of a sex toy sex toy company someday. <laughs> but uh but it was the, the biggest moment I realized that this is exactly what I was meant to do is when um I realized the kind of the kind of change that we could proffer for the rest of society and the kind of impact that we could create. And that really kind of revolutionized the way that I looked at it. And I've, I think I've embraced it from the, from the get go. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm either balled in or I'm just, or I'm completely out and we're going to fail. And we've never looked back and we've been, we've been going really hard since day one. I think a lot of people can relate to, to what you just said of feeling like you never know what you want to do. And at the same time, you know, there's, there's something you just, don't know what it is and I think a lot of listeners mm-hmm. will find comfort or at least like oh I'm not the only one that right. feels that way um from right. hearing that um yeah before we uh close out is there anything else you want to include um any questions we didn't ask that we should have asked um I think actually just to um oh so so just to remind everyone we are going to do that pre-sale this summer so um that might be the only way that you can get your hands on a say before we do the uh official launch okay. which will be this fall um so if you go to our website at lauradecarlo.com that's l o r a 
DiCarlo, D-I-C-A-R-L-O.com. You can actually sign up for our newsletter. All right, that's um, and if you sign up for our newsletter, then you probably also get a little bit more information about the other crazy <laughs> we're doing. <laughs> um, so uh, that, and you'll be notified about the pre-sale. Uh, and then I think the other thing is for folks that are listening that might not know what they, they want to do, or they might be down on themselves about, you know, maybe not finishing school or not feeling like they know what they want to do with their lives or not having direction. Um, there was a lot of time where I felt like I had no idea where I was going and I, like, I didn't have any direction and I'm definitely a perfectionist and I hated that. I, I felt like it made me less of a person and I know that the entire well, most of my life and then especially in the first year and all the way up until now, I still um, experience um, imposter syndrome like crazy, like this, uh, this inability to understand how powerful I can be and how much, how much experience I've already garnered in, you know, in the last few decades. And I don't give myself enough credit on a daily basis. And uh, particularly as females, um, we do that to ourselves. So for the people that don't feel like they're enough, you definitely are. And it's, it's there. It's just, it's about, it's about getting to that point and, and realizing your dream and absolutely not giving up. Just don't give up and don't stay quiet. If you believe in something, because I didn't, and I still never thought that we would get here, but we did and we're still going and that's what it takes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we talk about that all the time. Um, yeah, and I know for some people they hear it and they're they're you're, when you're in that like low place and you oh, you yeah. just think, oh no, I don't need someone else telling me that I have to keep trying. But it's right. true. It's true. It is. I, and I'll tell you, like like in the before I did like before I founded the company, like there were months at a time where I would cry on a daily basis, literally on a daily basis. There were people that basically told me, oh, you, that's a cute idea when I talked to them about my business plan. Oh, I was like, you know condescending. what? Eat a dick, right? <laughs> All right. Amen. Once again. <laughs> so, um, and it's, it's, it's not easy. It's never, and it doesn't get easier. I'm going to be really honest, but does become more and more and more rewarding and it and I I've always felt like I've had purpose but today I feel like I have more purpose and I do definitely have more sh- like to deal with and definitely the, the imposter syndrome doesn't go away it doesn't get easier but it sure as hell is rewarding there you go. Beautiful. There you yeah. go. <laughs> <And> we, <laughs> we're, we've been so excited to have you. And we should say, this isn't a sponsored episode. We're just fans. Right. And we also think it's important to discuss, like, we've been talking a lot about female pleasure lately and how it's so yeah. um, demonized. Stigmatized. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, not a sponsored episode. Just, no. Just fans. Yeah. I'm going to go <laughs> put my name on that uh, waiting list somewhere so I can find that. Right. I'm not going to lie. I kept yeah. telling Annie. I was like, we got we to gotta talk to her. We gotta talk to. Her. I, I need to know. I, I need to know when it's gonna come out. <laughs> I'm a little know, I'm too sorry. excited. I like maybe. Been like on a, I'm like on a rampage this morning too. I'm just like Rawr! And, and perfect on all of the issues. So. Love it. So. Yeah, good fit. <laughs> good fit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Samantha always gives away her scheme on air. I don't yeah. know why you do that. I do, don't I? You I'm do. Like, you look. always give away your your plan, your master uh, this plan. This is why I'm not a good like nemesis <laughs> for anyone. <laughs> Because <laughs> you're already going to know well, how to No, me. I think that's the perfect nemesis. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Laura, I know you gave the the uh, website. Is there any other place you want to shout out where people can find you or any other resources or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, we're on social media, and um, we're actually, I was growing really fast there, too. I was really pleased. We sat down at a, during a marketing meeting, and was like, holy moly, really? That's great. Um <laughs> But uh, you can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at Laura DiCarlo. Again, that's L-O-R-A-D-I-C-A-R-L-O underscore HQ. Um, and you can find me personally. Um, I'm linked to both. Um, and, that's, and my last name is Haddock. 
probably actually going to change my name to DiCarlo because people are really confused about it. It's like, <laughs> name but, um, people are calling me Miss DiCarlo all the time. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. so, um, <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. And we're also on Facebook. Uh, so, um, yeah, come and, come and find us because we do have some pretty funny shit that we put up and, and we do talk about some of the, the hard issues. Um, so... Uh, and I, like I said, I've got a great social media team that we're, we're putting together and our digital marketing team is, is pretty amazing as well. So, um, they've always got really great content. I'm just like, yes, arms up in the air. Please put that up. Uh, so. Awesome. So well, it's, it's fun. Yeah, it sounds fun. Yeah. Um, I want to be on that team. Yeah. Oh, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> well, oh, sorry. Uh, what? <laughs> you should definitely check that out, listeners. Um, you can also find us on Instagram at Stuff I've Never Told You and on Twitter at MomStuffPodcast. And you can email us at StuffMediaMomStuff at iHeartMedia.com. Thank you so much, Laura, for joining us. Yes. Thank you both. This has been the that best. Awesome. <laughs> yes. I'm so excited. I know. I can't wait. I'm we're getting so close and I'm just like, holy, it's pretty much selling crap. itself right holy now. Crap. Right. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I'm, I'm just a ball of nerves pretty much all day, every day. And lately, <laughs> but it's, uh, I think it's all good. All good things. <laughs> all good things. Yeah. Thank, thanks as always <laughs> to our super producer, Andrew Howard. Yeah. And Andrew. thanks to you for listening. Stuff I'm Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. <laughs> 